Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, October 27th, the Separation Made Simple edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is five, and my youngest, Ami, is two. I'm Fiona Kong, founder of the Home Sweet Homes Journal for Co-Parenting Families. My son is named Emil. He's six years old, and we live in Los Angeles. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you, um, and just selfishly as a co-parenting parent, I'm always excited to have another co-parenting parent on the show. Same here. I'm excited for this conversation. Well, today on the show, we've got a question from a listener at the beginning of her separation journey. She wants to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible for her five-year-old son, and we're going to give her some advice about raising a child across two households. Then on Slate Plus, we're going to check in on our Halloween plans. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Noah, this year is going to be Rainbow Sparkle Rose. That's what I'm talking about. Which is just a character, I think, that she made up. That is a costume, Naima. Yeah. We have a special announcement for you today. For a limited time, you can get six months of Slate Plus for just $29. That's 50% off. As a member, you'll get no ads on any of our podcasts, unlimited reading on the Slate site, and member-exclusive episodes and segments from our show and other shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, and Political Gab Fest. If we've become a part of your listening routine, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash Plus to access all Slate's content and support our work. Again, that's just $29 for six months through October 28th. So sign up now at slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to catch up on our weekend parenting, but not before a quick break. See you back here in a second. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. 
If you're a decision maker, adding RAM could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join RAM for free. Just go to RAM.com slash easy. RAM.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back. Fiona, as our guest, do you have a triumph or a fail to share with us? I do. I had my son for a few days last week, you know, given that I co-parent. And one day, this was Friday afternoon, and I think after the whole week, kids are tired. There's a lot of energy and, you know, it's been a long week. So Mm -hmm. we were at the park and things were going fine at the very beginning. Um, Towards the end, things started falling apart and he was with some of his other classmates. And all of a sudden there was a lot of kindergarten drama (laughs) breaking out. Some of the kids started arguing and it was just kind of a symphony of, you know, these big feelings. Um, All of a sudden, my son, he was curled up in a ball on the slide and he was sobbing and I, of course you know you're wondering like what happened and yeah. you know so I, I went over there and he didn't want to tell me um and in those moments it's right the thing you can do is just let them move through it right yeah. there's just not much you can say or do when he was finally able to tell me he said his friend had told him I don't want to hear from you and that had really mm-hmm. hurt his feelings mm-hmm. so I make it a point so that every night we talk about our feelings and kind of review our day so that he has a chance to reflect. Um, and we didn't get a chance to do it until Saturday morning. And he has a journal where it has five faces and there's like, it ranges from happy and, you know, sad, mad, and there's a crying face. And he ended up circling all of those things. And I was like, what made you feel like that? And he, mentioned it again. He said, you know, um, I don't want to name the friend, but she told me, I don't want to hear from you. And apparently it was really in his heart, right? He had slept all night and he woke up and he was still thinking about it. So we got to talk it out and say, you know, it's normal to have these feelings. And, you know, that girl, she was mad herself. And sometimes we say things that we don't always mean. It doesn't mean that you're not friends anymore, but You know, there's times where, you know, sometimes we make a mistake and we say things we don't mean. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just a good um, moment where I think he was able to open up. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think of this girl who said it, like, it's so likely that someone said that to her, you know, like an adult Mm -hmm. in her life. Because a kid doesn't come up with language like that. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. You know, it's a very adult phraseology you know so mm-hmm. i'm sad for her that it's likely that someone probably said that to her and now she's trying to you know exercise it and in, in the only way she knows how it sounds very likely because that's not kid language in the slightest yeah um yeah but it is great that you all were able to have an exchange of feelings in that yeah, way amazing. And that you know that he's so communicative about what he's feeling inside it's really important mm-hmm. you've obviously done a great job giving him the language to talk about how he feels. We want them to tell us, right? No matter what, good or bad. So true. Zach, what about you? You have a triumph or a fail? I have a triumph. Um, As a Jew, I've been thinking a lot about Kanye and just the rise in anti-Semitism in the country, just hearing stories everywhere about hate speech and 
and, and this stuff on the rise as the backdrop to the really wonderful season of uh, Jewish holidays we're in the middle of right now and just the ways in which we've been able to fold my oldest, my youngest, Ami, who's two, he, he, I mean, he's involved, but like Noah, my five-year-old is able to start to understand the holidays and really get excited about how we celebrate and why we celebrate and just kind of relishing in the, in the ritual, which my wife and I've tried to be really intentional about, like starting a couple of weeks ago with the holiday of Sukkot and then there's another one called Simchat Torah. We've just been like taking her to our synagogue or to the synagogue uh, events that um, have been happening around the city and congregating with other folks who are also Jews in Detroit, of which there aren't so many. It's just so cool to see what it actually looks like when we hand our rituals down to our kids and for them to actually be excited about it and to ask questions about it and uh, to kind of do it in community in a way that um, is fun to us. Like growing up, my Jewish upbringing was was fine and, and great in a lot of ways, but I was never like excited about it. And now I'm seeing Noah get excited about it and then I in turn get excited through her. And it's it's just this really special thing that I'm not taking for granted. I'm just like super like, wow, we are raising a Jewish child in Detroit and doing it in the way we want to. And it feels great. I'm so envious of anyone who's really like, found community where they live, you know, I mean, that's what happens when you move away from where you grew up, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and keep Mm -hmm. moving. But that's awesome um, that you all are able to come together and celebrate the holidays and that your kids are, you know, I just think it is every time you talk about Bruno, your Jewish stuff, you know, I just think it's really cool. And we have the same commitment when it comes to Naima and, you know, and her culture. But I just, I think it's really important for our families to introduce their children to their heritage in a really meaningful and thoughtful way and to normalize it, you know, for it to not just be a special occasion thing, but just a part of who you are. Yeah, thanks. It's some of these traditions that we keep up, you know, that we can talk about from generation to generation that makes our childhood and sharing it with the next so special. Yeah. Shout out to you from being of a religion that has so many holidays. That's got to be nice. (laughs) We got so many, especially in the fall. So many. Yes, I'm aware of it because I've raising a child. I've raised a child in New York and L.A. So ask me how I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. (laughs) They get those days off, um, which is very cool. Um, All right. Well, my fail is that I have become a baker again. My triumph is that I have become a baker again. I realize that, like, we always have cake or brownies or cupcakes in the house now. Like, we are making these things, like, every other week, sometimes week to week. Last night we baked cupcakes and it was very important to Naima that we baked cupcakes. Yeah. That the cupcakes even got baked was a triumph because we didn't get home until 6.45 and like we'd had to put the cupcakes off for a day and she was devastated about that because we didn't get home until late on Sunday and she was like, but you promised. And I'm like, but it's nighttime. It's like late. <laughs> you know, you have to go to school in the morning. Um, and so we made uh, black and white cupcakes last night. They came out, they're good. They, I like... I have an exacting standard for baked goods. I'm very particular about them. She really liked them. I think they're decent. I think there's room for improvement. Mm -hmm. I think they're a little dry. But we got them from the New York Times cooking section. They're like vanilla cupcakes with chocolate chips in them and a chocolate icing. 
But yeah, like we just can't stop baking over here. <laughs> I mean, it's such a great bonding activity. Yes. Yeah, Noah and Shira do it a lot. Do you watch baking shows together? I don't. No, we haven't. Maybe we should. The only like baking show we've ever watched was Nailed It. That's so fun. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's take another quick break. We will see you in a second with our listener question. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Time now for our question. Dear mom and dad, I'm the mom to a really wonderful five-year-old. He just started kindergarten this year and has transitioned well overall. This is wonderful because we may have a new change coming because dad and I are thinking about separating. We've started discussing how we're going to make this work. He's thinking of moving cross town far, but not far enough where he can't be involved in our son's life. And it'll make joint custody easier when we get to that point. I'll probably be the primary parent as his job is requiring him to travel more now. What I want to know is how do I make this as seamless as possible for our son? Is there any way to make going back and forth between homes easier? We're just at the beginning of this process and I love some tips and advice as I'm sure there's a million things we're not even considering in terms of making this easy on our son. Thanks to home soon. I have so many thoughts on this. I (laughs) wish we had two hours to talk about it. I've been co-parenting for three and a half years now. So I was definitely at this starting point then where you're trying to make the best of the situation for your child. And I heard this really um, good quote on Instagram and I don't know who it's attributed to, but essentially it was, do you want a child-centered divorce or a divorce-centered childhood. Hmm. And that context was just so powerful to me because, you know, when we, we, I had to start approaching it, it's, it's this whole big mess, right? You're rearranging everything. You know, I actually ended up moving out. And so there's just a lot of dynamics happening. um, And you want your child to be okay. Of course, that's the first and foremost thing. So I had like a whole list of things. I actually put together a guide on how to make transitions easier. And I would say the top, I'll do two, maybe three things, is one, you know, you are the rock for your child. That for me meant, you know, taking control of my healing, my happiness, my well-being. And if you don't put your own life jacket on first, you can't take care of your child in the best sort of way. So as I said, just taking time to heal and do things for yourself um, is probably one of the best things. And also focusing on, if you can, 
that relationship with your co-parent. Um, and I know it's not always possible because, you know, there's, you know, on their end, they may be a narcissist and it may be high conflict, but, you know, if anything you can do for your child, it's, you know, don't speak badly of them in front of your child. Um, don't argue or fight in front of them. Um, I actually spend a lot of time reading, you know, comments from adults who went through divorce as, mm-hmm. you know, their parents were divorced. And a lot of them say they remember the fighting and the arguing, like that's what sticks in their mind. And yeah. that's something that, I would never, no matter what, right? You don't put that in front of your child. Um, The second thing I would say is give your child consistency and predictability. You know, their whole world is being turned upside down. Like they have to most likely, right, live in two homes. And that schedule is, I think, a real challenge. So we started using a visual calendar for my son when he was three and he was able to use it right like and we were on a two two three schedule so none of the days were the same right so it would like we I didn't always have a Monday and Tuesday it would would vary every other week and I think having that visual for him made him feel safe you know you can print one out I actually created a journal specifically for co-parenting families. Um, it's a journal that's and a planner that stays with a kid between homes and it has their schedule and it has journal space every night where we can talk about what happened. In many ways, they're being bounced back and forth between homes. And how will you know what they're struggling with unless you ask? Jamila, I want, I want to hear your perspective on this. I just had a quick question for both of you. Do either of you... Um, either you know on an ongoing basis or did you at one point have a conversation with your kids other parent and like establish ground rules of like how to be so when we first separated it was i would say it wasn't highly contentious but we weren't very friendly and we are now like it's been an evolution of you know like we're when he first started, you're dealing with your own emotions and we would only talk about anything related to our son. Mm-hmm. He was two and a half. So we did have to have a lot of those conversations about, you know, how we, you know, do things in certain in both households so that he could have consistency. Uh, we were able to do that. I don't think it's, you know, some parents aren't there yet. We would have an official meeting and that's something we did and we never talked about like our personal stuff, but, and it was kind of weird, like having a business-like meeting, but that's what worked for us. And eventually, you know, we, we're in a great, really great place now. We've taken family trips together, um, but it wasn't like an overnight thing by any means. We've been co-parenting Naima since birth. Um, we broke up, you know, prior to finding out that we were expecting. Um, so we've always been doing this and it was a, you know, contentious breakup and a a difficult situation early on. But from when Naima was born, there was just this kind of unspoken agreement that we were just going to make things work. Um, But no, we never talked about ground rules. We never had a formal parenting conversation. The early days, our talks were very limited, just logistics. And Mm -hmm. this thing happened, this many diapers, this 
observable rash, you know, this happened, that's that like we weren't talking parenting pedagogy, you know, like I would assert things that I wanted, you know, I think she should do this, I think she should have that, you know, but we didn't really become collaborative until, you know, a few years in and, you know, over time became, you know, friends in a way and have like a really amicable relationship and have done holidays and things together. But no, like, it's kind of scary what we've been able to do without officially talking hmm. about it. You know, um, we're in constant conversation about, you know, Naima and how we navigate certain things now. But, you know, I do realize that there are two different households. You know, the other factor is that in her other household, there's another mom and another child, you know, and so... I think both households are led in a lot of ways by the mother energy, you know, and it's similar in a lot of ways and different in other ways. And so I think that if it were just Naima that we were dealing with, there would probably be some things that we'd be talking about that we're not talking about because since they're also parenting another child, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of hard for me to... You know, like some of the things that I wish that maybe we were all on the same page about, it's like they've got their own parenting pedagogy mm-hmm. and set of things that they feel and need and believe in and their own child, you know. And so um, for me to challenge that, you know, in service of my own child is difficult. Um, but I, I would still think of us as being relatively collaborative. Yeah. And I know that the listener also asked about logistics, um, like what would make going back and forth easier. I assume like, you know, the kids have two sets of toothbrushes and stuff, but what are some like non-obvious things that you've figured out logistics wise that helps to make life easier? A wardrobe. D- double wardrobe? Know, like a wardrobe that you enjoy in both houses mm. so that there's no like, oh, I wish I had this, but it's always at so-and-so's house. And you can keep the, you know, we generally, sometimes things stay over here, but I usually try to send them back, you know, so that they have their full wardrobe of clothes and things to choose from. Um, you know, and I have the one that I've purchased. Uh, what else? Favorite toys. Um, for a five-year-old, you know, things, comfort items, um, favorite foods. Yeah, I think in terms of like things to remember, um, those are the ones that stick out the most um, for me. In terms of other logistics, I would say trying to establish a rhythm that you try to adhere to a schedule that can be flexible where it needs to be, but that feels like a schedule, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so you start having rituals and like, as Fiona mentioned earlier, like saying it out loud, like, I'm going to drop you off at your dad's house today and I'm going to pick you up in three days, you know, and like acknowledging that. Um, I know there were times where I think we were just so busy and doing so many things that there would be things coming up and Naima wouldn't know, you know, and I'd be telling her last minute, like, oh, dad's picking you up tonight. And she's like, huh? You know, but you always pick me up on Wednesdays. I'm like, oh, but dad has to do it because you're, you all are going somewhere. You know, it's yeah. like she really needs to be like your child really needs to be like clued in on changes to the schedule and like have some idea of what their time with you all is going to look like. It shouldn't be haphazard. And if dad's travel schedule is such that it can't help but to be haphazard, you still need to figure out rituals with him, um, phone calls, Skype calls, FaceTime or whatever, like there needs to be some dad time rituals every week, you know, so it doesn't feel like a disruption once he's in Mm -hmm. town. 
it's also true just being flexible is so key, I think, in the beginning when it's a tough time for them. Um, one of the traditions that we I do is actually like a welcome home tradition to welcome my child back home. And we talked you talked about this, like you're having a favorite food. Um, I started picking out books from the library and I put a new book on his nightstand every time he came home and he would always be like, oh, a new book. One last tip that I feel has been also helpful for us for especially for younger kids is I started going to the library and getting books that talk about separated homes, two homes Mm -hmm. and families, diverse family types, because when you think about children and they think, hey, I'm supposed to have my family in under one roof, um, you know, they don't know anything otherwise. So there's so many good books now for divorced families that talk about, you know, just living in two homes that help give them perspective and normalize it for them. I always mention um, the kids book about series as being really helpful. Um, There's a series of books called a kids book about, and they cover topics like divorce and terrorism Hmm. and abortion and, you know, other things that are challenging to talk about with their kids. But, you know, I think you should get a bunch of those books and like Fiona said, diverse books, you know, ideally books that look like your family and some that don't look like your family, but just really normalizing um, this experience. You know, that there are people all over the world, you know, kids your age, younger, older, that are going through the same experience because this is very common. There are very few children's books that feature single parent led households, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it would be really nice for your child to start reading those. You know, there are books that are sometimes about children that are going through a divorce, you know, or or children that divide their time between two households, I guess, but um, I haven't seen too many of the ones that are about co-parenting or about single parent led households. But if you can find some, you should. Okay, well, to home soon. Um, We're wishing you all the best. Please keep in touch. Um, We love to know how everything goes. We really appreciate updates. Everyone else, if you have some advice to offer, please send us a voice memo or email us at momanddad at slate.com. That's also where you can send us any questions of your own. And that's it for our show. Fiona will be back with us on Monday for another question and everyone's favorite recommendations. So be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula and Rosemary Belson. For Fiona Kong and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.